Greg Berhalter. All right, Cubs fans, you're getting ready for the World Cup? The USA is back, baby! Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the is back, baby. Just like the U.S. men's national team, apparently, unfortunately, on this Monday, June 20th, we do not have Hercules Gomez. He's lost on the sands of South Beach. I'm sure we'll get a full explanation on Thursday, but don't worry. We have an incredible lineup of guests scheduled for this show. You're going to hear from Julie Foudy. You're going to hear from Craig Burley. We're going to have Sam Borden's one-on-one with Walker Zimmerman as we continue our road to Qatar. But first things first, let's welcome into the show none other than our first guest here on Football Americas, my good friend and colleague. You've seen him before on ESPN FC. You've seen him before on this show, Alejandro Moreno. Ale, how are you doing, my good, my good man? I was doing okay until I heard that Craig Burley's going to be on this show. What <laughs> happened to Football Americas? What, what? Honestly, Hercules goes on vacation, whatever he's doing in South Beach. Okay, I get the invite. But then Craig Burley steps in. Man, we are getting desperate now. Uh, but there can be no complaints. There can be no complaints. In the order of the show, the A block, let it be noted, belongs to Alejandro <laughs> Moreno. Okay, so we're leading off. We're leading off with you, Ali. You can appreciate that, uh, ever the baseball guy. Hey, so we had a big weekend in Major League Soccer. Let's get to some of the highlights. Uh, a couple of big games for the LA teams. We'll start with the. LA Galaxy and Portland Timbers pick this one up in the 38th minute. Yimi Chara, the ageless Yimi Chara, putting the uh, Timbers up one nothing on the LA Galaxy. Portland looking good early on in this match. The Galaxy nearly finding an equalizer in the 67th minute. Chicharito, no. Oh my, Ale, I know you don't have the return, you can't see this, but this, this was Ale Moreno type of range, Chicharito. I think, I think it went out for a throw and no worries. What Chicharito couldn't do, <laughs> Dejan Jovalich, he could do it. At the near post, the header, Julian Araujo, the service. And the match finishes 1-1 between the LA Galaxy and the Portland Timbers. That one early Saturday afternoon, a little bit later. We had Seattle against LAFC. No Carlos Vela to start this one. He would come on uh, in the second half. And in the second half, it was Albert Rusnak with a goal in the 58th minute to give Seattle a 1-0 lead. Rusnak, I think, played three or four games for Slovakia over the recent international window. Boy, tireless. Look at him getting the goal there for Seattle to put them up 1-0. LAFC in the 78th minute, 79th minute. Chicho Arango. Strikes to make it one-to-one. Look at this play, beautiful header. Somehow finds the back of the net. Uh, and LAFC making it one-one to get a valuable point 
on the road against your CONCACAF Champions League winning Seattle Sounders. So here's a look at the top half of the Western Conference. LAFC, not just the top of the West, but also right now number one in the Supporter Shield race. There we see down in fifth, the LA Galaxy with 24 points so far this season. All right, Ale. Who do you think is a better bet to win MLS Cup? Here's we are about uh, halfway through the MLS campaign. Well, uh, where we are currently, I think there is no question that it would be LAFC. Uh, I think LAFC is a team that can be far more dynamic and far more explosive in the attack than the LA Galaxy. My issue with the LA Galaxy is that they just don't score enough goals. Only 18 goals this season so far in 15 matches. Now, to be fair to them, they don't give up many goals either. But what that tells us is that a lot of their games are one-goal games. It's, there isn't a whole lot of difference between them and the rest of the other teams in the Western Conference. So for me, when I think of a team that has a higher ceiling, you have to imagine that that is LAFC. They're more explosive in the attack. They're defending just as well as the LA Galaxy. If you put them together right now, side by side, you have to pick one to win MLS Cup, it would have to be LAFC. Yeah, obvious answer here is, is definitely LAFC. If, you're, if I'm looking for an advantage for the LA Galaxy, I'll say, well, if they play in Carson, uh, we know LAFC can't win there. But if you look at the standings, I think it's very unlikely that, that LAFC would, uh, would indeed have to go to Carson to play a big game. I think the other thing that, that we have to acknowledge when we look at these two teams is in terms of management, maybe there the LA Galaxy have an advantage, right? Greg Vanny has done it before in MLS Cup. I think Steve Cherundolo, uh, incredible playing career, but that managerial resume a little bit uh, thin. Ali, I was looking at the MLS Cup odds earlier, and right now LAFC and New York City are the, are the Las Vegas favorites. Uh, if you look at the Western Conference, would you have LAFC right now as your favorite uh, over a team, per se, like Seattle? Uh, because I know, I know recently on ESPN FC, I, I felt like I heard you, you weren't very convinced of that Chiellini signing. My position on the Chiellini signing is that this is not the direction that Major League Soccer has been heading into over the last few seasons, or at the very least, the rhetoric, the messaging coming out of MLS is that we're looking for young, exciting players who come and develop here in Major League Soccer, become the, the best version of themselves, and then eventually, because you're part of the market, now you go and sell those players somewhere else, and then they go and play, say, in the Premier League, in the case of Miguel Almiron. That seemed to be the uh, thought pattern going forward with MLS. Chiellini as good a professional as he has been for Juventus, as great a player as he has been for Juventus, for Italy, as, as world-class a defender as he has been, the truth is, part of the reason as to why he has had a difficult time over the last couple of seasons with Juventus is injuries. And that's a problem. That's an issue. That, that's not about your level of play. That has to do more with wear and tear. And that's not going to get any better if there is something that we say about MLS is the physicality of this league, the back and forth, the, the running, and then the traveling as well. These things that we mentioned about MLS time and time again don't go away just because Chiellini show up. Hmm. This thing still remain. And so Chiellini will have to deal with some of the same circumstances that MLS players have had to deal with over the last decade or so. That doesn't change at all. So for me, it just doesn't seem to match the rhetoric and messaging coming from MLS that they're moving away from older players. This is an old defender that has had a history of injuries in the recent past.
Ale, to, to the part of the question about who's the favorite out west, I'm looking at the odds, right? LAFC mm. plus 450 to win MLS Cup. Seattle plus 900 to win MLS Cup. That's, that's a huge difference. Uh, if, if you had some shekels to throw on this, uh, who would you bet on out of the west to make it to MLS Cup? LAFC or Seattle or, or maybe somebody else? The case of Seattle is an interesting one because the success of CONCACAF Champions League I think already gives them a pass this season. And yet, since they're not going to be the favorites in the Western Conference given their current position, they're just going to drift under the radar. And yes, I'm saying that the Seattle Sounders seem to be drifting under the radar in the Western Conference. <laughs> they usually have been at the top or near the top and would go into the playoffs as one of the favorites. LAFC will have all the pressure on them because I think that we all recognize that in terms of the talent level, they seem to be at a higher level than most teams in the Western Conference. So they should be the favorites. But do not discount the Seattle Sounders. And I, I feel like I'm talking like Hercules now because he cannot get through one of the shows without mentioning the Seattle Sounders and his relationship with the Seattle Sounders. He seems to forget, by the way, a little shout out here to Hercules. He seems to forget that he played for just about every team in uh -huh. this league. There it is. And there it is. Somehow, somehow he just kind of brings back the Seattle Sanders and yes, they're mm -hmm. very near and dear to my heart. Well, what about everybody else? You forgot about everybody else? They're not important. All right, never mind. Sidetrack. All I'm saying is that the Seattle Sanders are a team that once you get into the playoffs, you think that they're going to make a run. But the favorites are LAFC. It is worth noting uh, Hercules' fair-weather affiliations. When it comes to Liga Mekis, it's also Tigres, who happened to be the best of, of his former teams, right, that he always uh, <laughs> seems to bring up. All right, so look, a big part of the LAFC story is, is what's going to happen with Carlos Vela, whose contract expires uh, at the end of the month. Now, we may have gotten a window into what's going to happen from Vela's post-game comments after the match this weekend. Let's listen in. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think... Uh, we, 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 we create a, a really good team. We are doing pretty well. I feel good to be here. I enjoy to play in LA with our fans. And of course I have that, that thing on mind to win a trophy with this club. So in my head is always focus on that. But, but in the end, this is business. We are w working on that, but I'm open to to be here, but if it's not working and this thing not happen, I'm also open to, to leave and find another place. So football is like that, life is like that, so it's nothing to complain. Just just see if, if in the end we can make the deal or, or not. Ale, we got reports of a deal, but nothing official in the clock is ticking. So tell me what you think. Should LAFC extend 33-year-old Carlos Vela long-term? Not long-term. I would extend them for the next couple of seasons, but that's not long-term. Now, a couple of things. Look at it from the perspective of Carlos Vela. Mm -hmm. Where are you going to go, Carlos? Where is, it, where is it that the next opportunity is going to be? You're going to go back to Liga MX? I don't think so. That's mm -hmm. not where you feel most comfortable. Certainly that hasn't been the case in the past. So where is this next deal going to come from? You are a, a player who has all the power in LAFC and has, has been historically productive for LAFC and MLS. And when Carlos Vela has been healthy, 
It's he has been undeniably the mm. best player in the league. So, Phil Carlos Vela, why would you look elsewhere? Now, I know that you're gonna posture and you're gonna throw this out there and kind of create this conversation into, well, if, if it doesn't work out, then I'm ready to go somewhere else. But are you? Are you really? <laughs> Where are you gonna go? Where are you gonna go? Now, if you're LAFC, because this is not a one-sided conversation, if you're LAFC, are you really ready to let Carlos Vela mm. just walk out mm. the door? When we, when we just got done talking about the fact that this team seems to have the potential of MLS Cup, but the caveat is you have to have Carlos Vela pr producing goals for you, producing assists for you, if indeed he's gonna complete the picture for LAFC mm. and then raising that trophy at the end of the season. When I say that LAFC should be the favorites in the Western Conference, I'm assuming Carlos Vela is going to be healthy and I'm assuming that Carlos Vela is going to be scoring goals. So if you're LAFC, you don't let Carlos Vela walk away. And if you're Carlos Vela, guess what? You have nowhere else to really go and walk mm. away to. Now, you may say that there are other options out there, but are those options realistic? You want to stay in LA. LA wants, to st wants you to stay. So let's just stop the posturing, okay? We know that this is gonna get pushed towards the end, and in the end, the deal is gonna get done, and everybody's gonna be like, hey, it's all right, we all knew it was gonna happen anyways. Mm -hmm. It's just negotiating, it's just business. The deal is gonna get done. Uh, if there is hesitation for LAFC, I, I get it, right? He's 33 years old, the, the productivity mm -hmm. has gone down, the availability has gone down. Uh, if you think about what they're paying him, it was six point something, 6.3, I think, a year ago. It's now down to four, but whatever it is, um, it's a big spot. It's a designated player spot, in Los Angeles, which could be anybody, right? Like, think about what the Galaxy did bringing in a guy like Slatan. LAFC could, could attract a lot of big names with a designated player spot. So I could see at least uh, the hesitation there. But yeah, if we're talking about the rest of the season, clearly you need him. Uh, if you're gonna have any type of realistic shot, it would seem of winning MLS Cup. All right, Ale, let's hit something near and dear to your heart. Let's go to the Eastern Conference, okay? Mm. Uh, Atlanta United facing off against Inter Miami. Uh, this one was on Sunday, right? Yeah, Sunday. Early goal uh, from Atlanta United. Luis Araujo putting it in. The assist from Joseph Martinez. If Joseph Martinez is involved, Ale, I I'm going to need a... Vamos, Venezuela! And there it is. Uh, and here it is. Things going from bad to worse for Inter-Miami. Uh, Jean Mota, yep. Oh, that's a red card. He gone. So uh, Inter-Miami there, just shy of the half-hour mark going down to 10 men and things would go from bad to worse for them. When this guy steps up, Joseph Martinez, Araujo providing the assist this time, another, Ale. Vamos Venezuela! Joseph Martinez's third goal of the season, but how about this? His first since March, Atlanta United, two nothing winners over Inter Miami. All right, uh, Ali, it's been kind of a weird up and down, actually kind of brutal season for stretches uh, for Atlanta United. But we saw Joseph Martinez get on the score sheet. We know that's great news. When you think about the Eastern Conference, do you see this Atlanta United team as real contenders to get to MLS Cup? When you look at the Eastern Conference as a whole, what you see is that those teams that are near the top of the Eastern Conference, they're good teams. But are they outstanding teams? Mm. 
I think they're all very competitive teams. There isn't one excellent, outstanding group that you say, yeah, this is the team that is gonna run away with it. No, no, I think there are a lot of good teams that are gonna fight for that top position and they're gonna be right there or thereabouts. So the good, I think the good news for Atlanta United is that you're not fighting against world beaters you're fighting against good, solid, consistent teams that will take points away from each other, allowing you, if indeed you get onto a run if you're Atlanta United, to play catch-up. The problem is that when you have a lot of solid teams, then that create a competitive environment in which if Atlanta United do not find consistency and then you have teams above you like NYCFC, like New York Red Bull, like Philadelphia, that their strength is consistency, that's when Atlanta's gonna find issues. Now, in terms of the talent, you like to see Joseph Martinez scoring goals. That's gonna be critical for their success. But you're also gonna need Luis Araujo to be good in the attacking half. He has to come back from injury and he has to showcase the talent that I think Atlanta United thought they were getting when they acquired this player. If Luis Araujo is giving you productivity and Joseph Martinez is scoring goals as well, then Atlanta's talent level and the talent personnel goes higher than a lot of those teams that are now above them in the Eastern Conference. I think Atlanta in the end is going to make a run. Are they going to be consistent enough? That's a question that they're going to have to answer. Yeah, we just saw the table. They're ninth right now in the Eastern Conference. I was looking at the teams ahead of them. FC Cincinnati, Charlotte, New England, Montreal, Orlando, Philly, New York Red Bulls, New York City. I would really only say on talent, clearly ahead of them, you would say New York City, right? Other than that, I think Atlanta United on paper, on talent, is as good as, as any of those teams. Do you see anybody in the, in the East really pushing New York City? Because assuming Tati, Tati Castellanos stays, they seem to be head and shoulders above, above everybody else, don't they? Yeah, and yet they've gone through a coaching change, which... It, it's something that I suppose we, we don't talk about when Ronnie Dyla walks away from the team that mm. just won MLS Cup uh, mid-season as well. Uh, I, I think that has to have some sort of impact on the team. I imagine that y you have a good core group of players that eventually is just going to get NYCFC through the season. But if we think that coaches play a major role and a major part in making a team successful, then Ronnie Dyla's presence or lack thereof, you have to imagine would have an impact on NYCFC. Now, overall, I just look at New England, for example. I imagine that the New England Revolution thought that they were gonna be better than they have been so far. They would be, in my estimation, a team that could threaten to make a run late in the season and to push NYCFC. Uh, New York Red Bulls is a team that I look at and I think very solid, very consistent. Are they outstanding in anything that they do on the field? I wouldn't say outstanding, mm -hmm. but over the course of a long season, if you're consistent enough and you get points when other teams are slipping, then you're gonna find yourself near the top of the Eastern Conference. So these are, and, and that's the same thing that you can say about Philadelphia as well. It, it's the same sort of makeup of, of, of a team that is gonna fight, is gonna scrap, is gonna get points. And in this long summer months, they're gonna be able to find points where other teams may not because of that consistency, because of the grind that they enjoy. Now we get into the playoffs 
sales and this is when talent takes over it's no longer about a grind yeah you can have the character and the personality and the experience that you need in the playoffs but you're also going to need talented mm. players to put the ball in the back of the net in a tight moment and that's when i look at nycfc that's when i look at, at, at a team like new england revolution as potentially being superior to the ones that i just mentioned all right, Ale, great stuff. You're done for tonight, but we will see you again on Thursday in studio, in person for a very special U.S. Open Cup semifinal draw. Wow, Ale, us together in studio. Wow, okay. What could go wrong? Hey, man, wrong? I'm living large. I'm living large. When I can be in Football America twice in one week, you know I'm doing something right. I'm wow. living right right now. Yep, yep, that's a good contract you got yourself, my man. All right, uh, we'll see you up in Connecticut in, what, 72 hours. Uh, thanks again for joining us here on Football Americas. See us. There he goes, Alejandro Moreno. Uh, plenty more MLS coming your way across television screens this weekend. On Saturday, we got Seattle against Sporting Kansas City. Right now, 12th, yikes, in the Western Conference. That one on ABC. And then, ah, uh, a little bit later in the afternoon, I'll be at this one, DC United against Nashville from Audi Field. That game uh, in Spanish on ESPN Deportes and in English on ESPN. As uh, if you're checking your calendar right now, we are five months to the day almost to the start of the 2022 World Cup. So with that in mind, let's continue our Road to Qatar series, the latest edition, Sam Borden's one-on-one -on -one with Walker Zimmerman. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. A big tall tree through traffic. Walker Zimmerman's first career goal for the United States. Zimmerman, who keeps on scoring goals. It's so special. I mean, each and every time that you get to represent this amazing country and, and wear the badge and um, represent the, you know, the entire United States is a responsibility that I don't think any of us take lightly. You know, especially these competitive games, qualifiers, Gold Cups, Nation Leagues. I mean, these are these are games that 
you know, when you're listening to the anthem, it's it's almost like a little battle cry. You're getting kind of fired up inside. Um, it's something I'll never take for granted. You grew up in Georgia, son of a pastor, right? Mm -hmm. How did that affect your life as a kid? I think it comes with a lot of responsibility. Uh, you're expected to kind of do the right thing, say the right thing. And, you know, I took a lot of pride in, in that. And I think it helped develop me as a person. Uh, faith's a big part of my life. Uh, also as a leader and just trying to lead by example. And so I think a lot of that stems from how I grew up. I read a story that there was a moment like in a, I think it was a high school game or a practice where your coach was kind of getting on you guys really, um, really fiercely and, and you stopped him and sort of said that you wanted to pray for him. Is that right? It was just very uncharacteristic uh, of that coach, um, you know, Patera at the time to kind of be acting the way that he was. And I think it was more, you know, in the break, like a water break, I was like, hey, like, are you, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Like, you know, can I pray for you? And, um, you know, I'm still really close with him. We have a great relationship. And that's just the, the product of who he is as a person, how open and transparent he was with us that even presents an opportunity for you to feel comfortable asking to do that, you know? For sure. You know, I've always been kind of interested, obviously, a lot of kids are attracted to you know, scoring points or scoring goals in sports, playing defense, it's, it's, it's kind of like a different mentality. Yeah. Was that always something that appealed to you or how did you sort I, of I would come say to I that? still want to score goals as bad as any striker out there. Uh, I love going up for set pieces, corner kicks. I mean, that is that is the dream uh, is scoring a goal. So I don't think that's changed, but I think just um, defensively, I think there is something, some amount of pride, some amount of um, responsibility that you take in stopping one player, stopping the other team. And um, I like being able to see everything from the back. I think it plays a part in, in the leadership and organizational uh, responsibilities as a center back. So I, I like that part of the position. In football, the NFL, there's like, you know, position groups, guys are really sort of a certain community, I guess, among, you know, cornerbacks or running backs. With defenders, is there a similar sort of, you know, brotherhood, do you, th do you think? I think there is. I think, you know, you have Keeper Island over there. That's always a separate animal. But I think with defenders, um, it might not be the most fun position on the field, but there's a lot of pride in, in both training and games of keeping a shutout, keeping a zero, and, and the reinforcement of doing dirty work. And um, it might not get noticed, but you know that you're doing your part for the team. And so I think that um, maybe the lack of recognition creates a bond between you of you're, you're doing it because you want to win, because you want to help the team. and. Uh, I think all of us here have that, and, and that certainly kind of makes that defensive group um, a collective that likes to stick together. What do you remember about the first time you got called in for the senior team? Where, do, where were you when you got the first call? Right, for me, I was visiting my brother in the off season. He was teaching. Uh, it was like, I think his first year of teaching at Wesleyan uh, High School outside of Atlanta. And I had a good 2016, um, good season with Dallas. We won two trophies that year. and. Got a call from from Bruce and say, hey, you know, you've had a great year. We want to bring you into January camp. Um, and my wedding was like, you know, New Year's Eve, and I was honeymoon. I literally stayed at the airport. My wife flew back, and I flew straight from our honeymoon to, to January camp in 2017. How did that conversation go exactly? So where was your honeymoon, and then how did yeah. that conversation go? Like, all right, you fly yourself. I'll see you right, later. Right, right. Well, so our honeymoon, we ended up uh, going to California. Um, it was at the time like Zika virus was crazy in the in the Caribbean, and so we kind of pivoted and did a California, flew into LA. We did Santa Barbara, Big Sur, and uh, San Francisco. The conversation, I mean, she knew what she was signing up for, the risks of the job, um, and so she's gotten kind of used to me being away every January at this point. 
the dynamic in this group, you know, I mean, Greg's talked about it, everybody's talked about it. It's, it's young, you know? I mean, yeah. there's a lot of guys that are sort of learning as they go together. How would you describe the, the dynamic among this group and where, where do you think leadership comes from in a situation like that where there isn't necessarily a, you know, right. a ton of guys that have been there a million times before? It's, it's true. It is a young group, a group that might not have the most experience at you know, the international level, um, certainly in terms of qualifying experience. But you know, it's a group that's extremely competitive and extremely successful at the club level. Um, the, a lot of guys have played in really big games for big clubs. And I, I think the thing that resonates throughout the entire roster is the competitiveness and the mentality of, of players wanting to compete, not only with their club team, not only with their national team, but among, amongst each other. Do you see that? You know, obviously you guys are competing for positions, but just when you're here, you're spending, you know, two weeks together, do you see it? I mean, I don't know, do you guys play video games? Do you play ping pong? Like, do you right. see it sort of elsewhere? I think so. I think there's a, there's a game room downstairs here uh, with a pool table, and that's been a little hot, hot uh, place for players to come and congregate a little bit, some chess boards on the side, and um, certainly video games are always involved, but that's usually more of a team. That's like less 1v1. That's kind of, you know, achieving the common goal, sharpen up the communication on the sticks and, and on the mic to be ready for game day. But um, no, it's, it's a good, even though it is competitive, it's not hostile, it's very supportive and uh, in a really healthy way. Great stuff, as always there, from Sam Borden on the road to Qatar. Here's a look at your leaders in minutes throughout the World Cup qualifying campaign. Walker Zimmerman, 814 right there in the top four. A stalwart for Greg Berhalter as the U.S. qualified for Qatar. All right, let's focus in on some European transfer news, specifically the idea that Raheem Sterling could be making a move from Manchester City to Chelsea, which of course would mean more competition for playing time for one Christian Pulisic. Obviously a big concern for U.S. fans with the World Cup coming up. You can read more on that over at ESPN.com. For more on Pulisic and his future Chelsea, let's welcome to the show for the first time ever former Chelsea player and our colleague over at ESPN FC, Craig Burley. Craig, the internet said it couldn't be done. Craig Burley on Football Americas, and yet here we are. I have to know, what did the talent you office the promise money. you? <laughs> you found the money. You told me there was no budget. You found the money. There People it is. People think we're getting paid for this. Well, not. No, that's right. I wanted to be known for the record that Craig Burley is doing this out of the kindness of his heart. Contrary yeah. uh, to popular opinion. All right, Craig, let's get to it here yeah. with, with Christian Pulisic. You know, you know the news. Uh, Raheem Sterling was linked to Chelsea over the weekend. U.S. fans saw that and thought, okay, this is, this is bad news on multiple fronts. One, in the short term, uh, it's not going to be good for his playing time, and I don't think it bodes well maybe long term for Christian Pulisic either. Are U.S. fans wrong for thinking that? I mean, it, it's bad news for Pulisic here, isn't it? Well, we were talking about this in the ESPN FC show at length for the last couple of days. Primarily because there's not a lot else going on at the moment. And it is quite, well, it is quite a big story because Raheem Sterling has been front and foremost for Man City in England in recent years. He played, I think, 47 times last year with 17 goals, 8 assists, but not all starts. I think 32 starts. And there's some sort of frustration within him that with the arrival of new players that might be reduced even more. Now, I hear you. Why are we talking about Raheem Sterling? Let's get to Pulisic. But it's all part of the story, and I think he wants to, to sort of move on. But why, why all this negativity? I thought the American sports fan was supposed to be full of positivity and 
you know, looking forward and going to be the best. But every time around Christian Pulisic, it's always got to be something negative. Here's the deal, American soccer fans. If you want your players to be big time in the big league like this guy, then when you move to big clubs at elite level, guess what? There is competition for places. And bearing in mind Chelsea's position, Sebi, last year, a long way off, Liverpool and City, bearing in mind they've got new ownership who want to make some sort of statement, there looks that there's going to be even more competition for Mr Pulisic. Yeah. I mean, the, the point about competition is totally fair. I, I think that's expected, and we've heard a lot of angst from American fans over that. The reason there's, I think, Craig, a little bit more angst than usual is today, right now, we are five months from the World Cup, and well, uh, you know exactly how important Christian Pulisic is to the, to the U.S. men's national team. So uh, pretend you're his advisor. Right? He's 23 years old. He's got five months to the World Cup. Let's say Chelsea do bring in Raheem Sterling. Would you tell Pulisic to stay at Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, he played a, a sufficient amount last year. He had injuries along with Zayic and others. I think he had kind of similar game time to them, maybe a little less. Was a little bit more productive. I, I, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not I'm not Thomas Tuchel. I, I don't know how much he's going to use him. And I, th I keep hearing the same thing. Why is he not playing more? Why is he not in the team? What's this sort of anti-Americanism? All this sort of nonsense. And look, he didn't get regular game time under Tuchel so far. He didn't get it under Frank Lampard. He didn't get it at the end under Lucien Favre at Dortmund. He has to stay clear of injuries. And this is a concern for, for players at these clubs with big squads who rotate when you have a World Cup. But but please, 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 this is not anybody trying to derail the US men's national team attempt at being successful at a World Cup. This is not managers survive and thrive on results. They play the best team in their mind whenever they play whenever they select a side. They don't sit there on a Friday, Sebi, and go, oh, how can we screw up the American mm. players today? <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. And so there is a frustration, I know. And I'll tell you who the worst is. I'll tell you who the worst is. Our former colleague and friend over in Los Angeles, Mr. Max Bretos, loves <laughs> stirring the pot. He can cry more than anybody. He must be keeping the handkerchief business mm. alone, mm. thriving with his tears. Wow, Max Bretos of Max, Max and Herc fame Bretos. getting a shout out uh, here on Football Americas. We were just seeing, Craig, the full screen of the stats of Christian Pulisic. It's quite a long body of work here at this point at Chelsea, right? Uh, three years since he was brought over back in 2019. How would you qualify like his time so far, the, the three years that we've seen? Do you think he's at the level to be a Chelsea player? Because I think at least in some corners or maybe even big parts of the Chelsea fan base, that question is still out there I, I I think if he wants to make a mark on a regular basis he's probably going to have to drop down one level and I don't mean one level i.e. the championship I mean a level within the Premier League uh, and whether that's a West Ham or a Newcastle or whoever it is you look at the game time that he's had you look at the possibility of Sterling and other comers, mm. you, others coming, you look at Havertz, 
Werner's still there. I mean, some of these players might go. Zayech, Hudson-Odoi, Mason Mount, and then Christian himself. Some of these players might go, but then they might not. And, and so then you have to ask the question, how much game time am I going to get? Am I prepared to take a drop in wages? Am I prepared to move on and take a loan? It, it's all things you've got to juggle. And I would be concerned about the game time for him. I think he'll get some. Whether he'll get enough, that's another matter. All right, Craig, you filled your Christian Pulisic quota for the day. Let's move on to another story, one that went viral earlier. This is Matt Turner. Of course, he's with the New England Revolution now, about to make that move over to Arsenal. Very exciting. Signing some autographs for fans, about to sign his own jersey, and he says, nah, I'm good. Why? Well, look at the jersey that the fan who wanted that autograph is wearing. It's a Spurs jersey. So, uh, Craig, what do you think? Are you cool with this? Is this okay? Is this the right move from Turner? To what, not sign it? Yeah, exactly, because the guy's wearing a Spurs shirt. Is it? Is it really that big of a deal? It's a bit of nastiness. You know I like a bit of nastiness. But he, he doesn't want to make any... Uh, and listen, he's, he's got bigger... He's got bigger things to worry about, obviously. But I hear... I hear... I've not seen much of him said, but I hear from my good friend, who is the goalkeeping coach at New England Revolution and, and Matt Turner's goalie coach, Kevin Hitchcock, who, as you... I think are aware was the best man at my wedding. I won't tell you how long ago. What a party that many must years have been. Ago, many years ago. And he tells me, in fact, he was texting me uh, just a, a week or so ago about, about something else. Uh, and he was, I was asking him about Matt Turner and he says, an unbelievable chance to go to Arsenal and dislodge Aaron Ramsdale, who has been very good for them. But he speaks really highly of, of Matt Turner. So, yeah, just a little... Funny one with the shirt, I suppose, and not wanting to upset any Arsenal fans. So he already knows the lay of the land, doesn't he? He already yeah. knows who not to upset and who to upset. So he's, le he's learning fast. And some of you guys, by the way, <laughs> you just don't learn fast. At least he's, at least he's a one-off. Well, I was going to say, if anybody knows about keeping everybody happy, it's, it's Craig Burley. He joins us here on Football Americas. This is episode 138. It only took us 138 episodes of the show to get Craig on. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for being on. Great to have you here with us on the show. Okay, and I'll, you know my address. Put the check in the post. Absolutely. On its way. Okay, then, a little more from the European Transfer Watch. Brian Reynolds. Looks like he's set for another Belgian loan move from Roma. This time it'll be KVC Westerloo, who were just promoted from the second division to the top flight. Reynolds, 20 years old, plays right back. So, hey, five months from the World Cup. We know right back could be a position of need. Maybe this is just the opportunity that young Brian Reynolds needs. Speaking of right backs, how about the case of Shaq Moore? Uh, unfortunately for Moore, just missing out on promotion in Spain. His Tenerife side lost 3-1 to Girona in the second leg of the promotion playoff. The first leg ended in a scoreless draw. It's not much of a consolation, but uh, Moore was Tenerife's top-rated player, according to Fatmob, for whatever that's worth. Cabecita Rodríguez, 
encontrarse con su amor el gol. La diferencia es importante en el fútbol y en los goles. Y más, si en esos goles el cabecita es protagonista. Jonathan Rodriguez, the 28-year-old Uruguayan, better known as Cabecita, is set to join Club América. It's officially official just moments ago, we're told. Rodriguez, of course, uh, won a title in Liga Mekis with Cruz Azul before being sold to Saudi club Al Nasser back in January. Did not have a great stint in Saudi Arabia, scoring just once, but he is still very much in the prime of his career. I mentioned he played two years at Club América. He also played two years at Santos before that, but there you see it, the run with Cruz Azul. Uh, boy, what a scoring record there. A proven Liga Mekis goal scorer making his way to Club América. For a little more perspective on this, we welcome to the show my good friend and colleague, Mauricio Pedrosa, himself a noted, acknowledged Americanista. Uh, how are you feeling about this move, Mal? Because we know when it comes to America, a team that seems to dominate the headlines, the term bombazo gets yeah. thrown around all the time when there's a big signing, a big fichaje. Uh, does this reach the level of a bombazo that America fans are wanting after the disappointment of the last few seasons? Hey, Seba, uh, I want to be a little more optimistic, but I'm not. I'm not considering this signing as the big bombazo that American mm. fans, just as yourself, just as myself, are used to for the past 20 years or so. But it seems like now this is a new normal for Club America, right? When was the last time we heard of a signing and, and America fans went like, yes, mm. this is exactly what we've been waiting for. Now, the other side of it is... Club America really needed to enforce that position. They needed a goal scorer. They needed a player mm -hmm. with characteristics of Cabecita Rodriguez. So I'm excited, but I wish I was a little more excited for the signing because if you go to his numbers, they look great for just mm. one year. In one year, he scored 19 goals in 31 league games. But if you go to the other seasons with Cruz Azul and Santos, he was just average. So I really do not know what to expect exactly from him. And a lot, we will know more once we know exactly where Fernando Ortiz is going to mm. put him in that lineup. Is he going to start from the left-hand side? Is he going to start as a number nine, false nine? We don't know yet, but at least this is exactly what the team needed. Right. The, the bottom line is Bomaso is, is relative, right? If we want to yeah. go back to the days of Bam Bam Zamorano, Piojo Lopez, then we're talking about a, another level of difference maker, another level uh, of player. But I, I think this is the, the perfect signing, right? All of the complaints that we could have had about Club America last season where they didn't have a number nine. They have a lot of options there, but they don't have a clear guy. It's clearly not Henry Martin. It's clearly not Roger Martinez. It's clearly not Vinas. Like yeah. none of those guys has, has grabbed that job. And if you look at kind of the expenditure here, right, uh, this, this package is going to cost him about $10 million between the transfer fee and, what, the $3.5 million that we're being told he's going to make. Um, that, that is about as big as America has done recently. Diego Valdez cost him about that, right? So it's, it is very much in line. When we, turn about, when we talk, though, Mao, about fan reaction, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. He is the player 
of a rival. And not yeah. just a player of a rival, but the player who took that rival to their first title in a very, very long time. As an Americanista, I got some feelings of like <laughs> Nico Castillo coming back from Europe, oh, no. having been a Puma star. Uh, and, and, and is there some, maybe when we talk about how fans will react, a, a little bit of a negativity to that? Well, I just, I just posted something on Twitter and I just wanted to see the reactions from, from the fans. And it feels like Club America fans are just bragging now, right now, we can afford your player. Mm, he mm. had to leave because you could not afford your biggest star anymore. He wanted to go to Saudi Arabia, make all that money. We can afford him. And, and, and if the salary is right, $3.5 million a mm. year, that's almost what Florian Tovan, André Pierre Gignac are making each year with Tigres. We know those are the highest earning players in Liga MX. So I'm just glad Club America is spending that money because remember yeah. we had this conversation like a month ago. Our biggest concern coming to the transfer window was can Club America afford an expensive player? It seemed like they can't. And it seemed like they're not done because Nestor Araujo is also mm -hmm. in Club mm -hmm. America's radar right now. But I agree with you. This is a player that America needed. Now, is he going to perform it at that level like he delivered with Cruz Azul because he delivered a championship for the first time in 24 years? That's going to make Club America fans really happy. Is he at the level of a Salvador Cabañas, of a Chucho Benitez? Mm. I don't know yet. I don't think he's there yet, but only time will tell. No, but at least right now, if you look at the, the current transfer window, I think it's by far the biggest business. No doubt. Uh, that we've seen done across Liga Mekis. If there is a dagger here for America, as, as reported by Leon Lecanda, of that $6 million transfer fee they're going to have to pay, $3 million of it's going to go to Cruz Azul. Uh, so, so you're kind of paying okay. the enemy it's okay, uh, to Seb. get this player. It's okay it's if, if, it's fine, if he scores they the need goals, the money. it's okay. We have the money. Cruz Azul needs them. Let him have the millions. Let's see what they do with those millions. Yeah, I, I think you're also getting a very motivated player here. Huh? Uruguayan World Cup squad. That, again, five months to the World Cup. Everybody motivated. I got to think that has something to do, Mal, with his decision to go from Saudi Arabia uh, back to Liga Mekis for a little bit more visibility when it comes to his national team. So let's talk about America. This deal is done. Nestor Araujo looks all but done as well. So uh, let's put those in the bank. Right. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, do you think this America team needs another signing to really, truly be considered not not just title contenders, but maybe title favorites in Liga Mekis? Well, now you need better role players, right? There, there you have your stars. You already have Cabecita mm. Rodriguez, mm. Diego Valdez, Nestor Araujo, Guillermo Choa. That's the big four. That's 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 your stars right there. Now you need better role players, and I think that's what America lacked in the past, not only season, the past year. Those players that some of them can come off the bench and make a difference. We thought they had him, right? We thought that maybe Rodriguez was a player coming from Puebla. He was going to be a game changer. Hasn't been that quite yet. Is Jurgen Dan maybe going to be that player? He's, he seems like he's going to stay with Club America. They're going to give him a long, not a long-term contract, but at least a contract for this season. Can he be that kind of role player? If Nestor Araujo actually signs with Club America, I think they're set in terms of stars. Now okay. they're going to need some help with those, some help with those role players. Now, uh, America may be said as far as stars on the men's side. Uh, the same cannot be said 
on the women's side because there's some potentially big news coming to Liga Mekis Femenil. How about this? The America women are close to signing Spanish international and Barcelona star Jenny Hermoso, the 32-year-old, an absolute legend at Barcelona. She's the all-time top scorer there. She's the all-time top scorer for Spain as well. To give you an idea of just how good she is, remember ESPN FC did that top 50 players in the world last year. She came in voted at number 17. Mal, let's go big picture here. Uh, what does this potential signing mean for Liga Mekis Femenil? Well, this will be the biggest, this is the biggest news in history, in the short history mm. of Liga MX Femenil. If a Mexican team can attract such a star player, at some point consider one of the top three players in the world, it means the league is doing something good. It's not only that they're doing something good because they have, they have been doing great things for the past five years, it means that also money, good money is being invested in Liga MX Femenil. Uh, she would come on a, uh, it wouldn't cost America any transfer. Her contract with Barcelona expires on June 30th. She's carrying though an ankle injury mm -hmm. that has, uh, that's gonna prevent her from uh, playing in the Euros um, in the upcoming weeks. But if that injury can actually heal, then Sevi, this is the biggest signing mm. in the history of Liga MX Femenil. And hopefully it will be one of the upcoming signings because it's not only America, Tigres was also interested, Rayados, Rayadas, they were also interested, so hopefully this is just the beginning. Yeah, I agree with you. It has to be the biggest signing if it gets done in Liga Mekis Femenil history. Uh, and it's actually kind of the type of signing I think the National Women's Soccer League is a little bit jealous of, right? And here's one of the differences. Liga Mekis Femenil, there's not as many restrictions. There are restrictions, but not as many clear restrictions in what you can do with player salaries. It lets you go out and be aggressive yeah. and bring a player like this. So I think there's some, some NWSL front office types right now who are looking at Jenny Hermosa going to Liga Mekis Femenil and being like, Oh really? Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know you guys were on that level. I didn't know you were you were attracting those players. The other thing, Mal, I think it, it symbolizes here or signals is a potential power shift in the league. Remember, mm. we always talk about Monterrey. No Tigres, Rayadas is kind of the power. Things are changing. Chivas just won a title. If America has enough money to go after Jenny Hermoso, there may be a new center of power, right, in Liga Mekis Femenil. Yeah, and it's not her. It's also Ángel Villacampa, who's going to be America's uh, new manager. He comes from Spain. He won the league twice, maybe playing a big factor in why Jenny has decided to uh, pick Club America as her next destination. But you're absolutely right. Once we thought that... Tigres, Rayadas, where mm -hmm. it, it was impossible to reach that level of investment. Now, Chivas, they do have the money. America have the money. Pachuca also have deep pockets to try to go and make those signings. And that's seeing the, the glass half full. Let me just play devil's advocate for a moment. Okay, because okay, then, I love this. Because then you also have eight, ten other teams who by no means can afford a player like that. So my big concern mm. is, is this going to look only like a Superliga uh. of four or five teams? But what's going to happen with teams or clubs like Puebla, Cholos, Atletico de San Luis? They do not have those deep pockets, but maybe, maybe that's an opportunity to have a better farm system, better youth leagues, and trying to create their own product, trying to give more girls the opportunity to play at that level. Maybe that's what's going to happen. But in the end, it's great news to have that kind of player to come and play in Liga MX. Hopefully, again, 
trying to attract more talent and make the league more relevant than it already is. Yep, we'll keep an eye on it. It's not official just yet, yep. but when it is official, we will discuss it right here for sure on Football Americas. Mal, let's flash back, shall we? Of course, it's a World Cup year, but World Cup's being played in the winter, usually played in the summer, so we got a lot of great anniversaries. June 20th, 1998, Mexico-Belgium group phase. Mexico goes from down 2-0 to come back and draw 2-2, but this match, Mal, best remembered for Cuauhtémoc Blanco's goal flying through the air, oh, outside yeah. of the left foot, a thing of beauty. Absolutely, and the legend of Cabrito Arellano, who we're mm -hmm. seeing right there next to Cuauhtémoc Blanco, the ideal sub for Manolo La Puente, the manager at the time. I even remember the call. A shout out to Raul Orbañanos. That call is unforgettable. Que servicio de Ramón. Que remate de Cuauhtémoc. What a pass from Ramon Ramirez. What a finish from Cuauhtémoc Blanco. And that hurt. Remember, that was like, that was a game. Mexico started losing 2-0. Uh, Seth, I'm sorry, I called you back. Oh, my God. Um, but then Mexico came from behind, tied the game, and that mm -hmm. opened the door to make it to, make it to, to the next round. But... That was an impossible finish by Cuauhtémoc Blanco, Seb. Yes. How did he do it? I still try to think about it. And there's no way many players would have thought of launching their legs first and making contact with the ball and scoring like Cuauhtémoc did. I think you just hit the nail on the head. Not a lot of players would have thought to do it. This is also the, the same World Cup against South Korea in the, in the match prior where he kind of, <laughs> to the world, debuts La Cuauhtemina. Yeah. Uh, it's the things that, that he, he could only do, that only he would think of. This is a, was such a, a great, for me, this is my favorite of all of Mexico's World Cups of my lifetime. You agree? Uh, it's right there. I really enjoy 94 too, but, mm -hmm. but, but mm -hmm. 98, it is special because that was, that was a team that struggled. If you remember, Boramir yep. Pinovich was the manager. He was let go a year or less than that before the World Cup. Manuel La Puente takes over, but you had great talent. Cuauhtémoc Blanco, Luis Hernández, Cabrito Arellano, Ramón Ramírez, Ricardo Peláez, uh, Luis García. That was... That was a very, very solid squad. Mm -hmm. I mean, a shame. They, they were leading against Germany in the round of 16. And oh, if no. Luis Hernandez finishes, then maybe we reach the quinto partido. I know, that's a dagger to the heart right there uh. to go through that flashback. You know what that team also had? They had eight goals. They scored eight goals yeah. in that World Cup. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so a, a proper team there that could find the back of the net. All right, let's do a quick trip in or trip in here, Matt, because we might have an idea of, uh, of what Cruz Azul is going to be wearing next season. This is their new logo, and they've dropped the stars. Uh, didn't they didn't they struggle for 24 years to get stars and now they're taking the stars off what am i missing is this just a reality check for their fans <laughs> are they sending the message of we don't care about stars anymore y'all i mean we 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 cannot afford stars anymore we're getting rid of the stars in our logo and we're just gonna go by our name and 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 let's not forget mm -hmm. they're changing the full name of the team now is Club de Fútbol Cruz Azul. Yeah. It used to be Club Deportivo y Social Cruz Azul. But as you know, and as we have discussed on Football Americas, they're going through a lot of internal mm -hmm. problems as an organization. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if there's another reason behind the change of the name. 
to Club de Fútbol Cruz Azul. But I don't like them getting rid of the stars. It, it took them a quarter of a century to get the nine. So, no. Tripping right here. No. Tripping. Nine stars, and you're taking them off. You're definitely getting a tripping uh, here on Football America. Sorry, Cruz Azul, uh, for your new logo. All right, Mal, before we get out of here, I got some big news. Got to congratulate you on a big birthday this weekend, my man. I do, I do want to point out you're still younger than Herc. I am, and I'll always be, and I'll always be. Thank you. Thank you to everyone. I like the Club America Atletico de San Luis reference with the candles in yellow and blue. Wow, it's a pleasure look at to that. share my, 25, my 25th birthday here on Football America. Yes, yes. Forever 29, Mauricio <laughs> Pedrosa joining us here on Football Americas. Thank you, guys. Great to have you, brother. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Clever. And the finish. It is a six for Portland. It's Porter. Rips a shot. Left of home. CC Kaiser. Morgan back to Doniak. Oh, what a beautiful goal. Joining us next on our tour de force of guests here on Football America is none other than Julie Foudy. She comes to us after a very busy weekend in the National Women's Soccer League. We'll dive into that in just a second. But, Julie, I was checking out the laughter-permitted podcast feed. Brianna Scurry, Mia Hamm, who's your guest booker, and can we get in on that action? Impressive stuff you got going on over there. <laughs> we had a little Title IX run. Bryce Curry's got a book coming out, so you got to get Bryce Curry on there. We're, get, we're giving some, some love to the soccer community right now. Absolutely. Exciting times. Absolutely recommend the Laughter Permitted podcast. Julie, let's get into what we saw over the weekend with an edition of Good, Bad, and Ugly NWSL style. We'll start with the good because we like to lift people up here on Football Americas. Becky Sauerbrunn. Scores a goal. Breaking news, Julie. Becky Sauerbrunn scores a goal. Her first since 2019. Yes. How about that? <laughs> you can see the joy, the pure joy. Now if she can do it on the national team, that is when the country will go crazy for Becky Butter Sauerbrunn. Yeah, 200-plus caps. Uh, no goals for the national team, but surely one out there. How about Portland, by the way? 6-0. They beat Houston 4-0 oh. last weekend. Look out for the Thorns. At will. They're just scoring at will. And good goals, too. Great one for her. Happy for her. You can see the, you can see the excitement. <laughs> All right, from the good to the bad, oh, my Washington spirit. They were up 2-0 on Louisville, Julie. The, the match ends in a 2-2 draw. It means Washington's winless streak now hits 11 games, and they concede the equalizer there to Nadia Nadim 
in the 89th minute. Heartbreaking stuff. Julie, uh, explain it to me. What's wrong with my spirit? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, Sebi. I, I think a lot of it has to do with them being overloaded on the front side of this schedule. And there's fatigue. I mean, they're giving up late goals. They've been producing goals. They fall like middle of the table in terms of production. But you're seeing that they're giving up a lot of these late goals. And I think that goes to their schedule. Their schedule was really heavy in this front end. It's going to lighten up a little bit. But there's been a lot of rotation of players. Andy Sullivan's been out with that calf injury. Kelly O'Hara with a hamstring nagging on her. So whew, it's been a tough run for, for Washington Spirit, for sure. They're the defending champs. It's, it's just a sign of how quickly things can change, Julie, in the NWSL. It was back on May 7th that we were kind of acknowledging, maybe you would even say celebrating the end of their 20-match unbeaten streak. And here we are talking about a totally different streak. Do you think this Spirit team, after all that we saw last year, is capable of finding their way again in what's left of the season? Oh, absolutely. And when you have players like Ashley Hatch and Sanchez and Trinity Rahman leading that front line and the national team players that we were just discussing, I think they will make a turn. Um, but you can see the frustration because as a player, when you give up these late goals as they are and the streak is as long as it is, that just hurts. So I, mm. But I think this team has too much talent not to make that turn. All right, we've covered the good. We've covered the bad. Let's get to the ugly. And once again, Julie, it involves referees. These are the scenes from the end of OL Reign against Angel City. Megan Rapino ejected after she got her second yellow from the bench for dissent. Uh, she left the field to cheers from her teammates. Worth acknowledging that as OL Reign went on to win the match by a final <laughs> score of 1-0. Julie, it's not the first referee controversy that we've seen in recent weeks uh, across the National Women's Soccer League. How big a concern is this, especially um, for the league's image as it tries to, to show just what a professional, excellent product it has? Yeah, and that's just it, isn't it? Is that they're trying to pro project that these things are changing. And I think mm -hmm. this is one of the areas it falls. It's a different form of player protection right, a different level of it, but it's still something that's so important because there is consequences when you don't have your best players out on the field or they're getting injured as we've seen is such an issue. And so it goes back to what has been an ongoing discussion with NWSL is paying to train those referees and getting better referees in there. And it costs money. I think this actually falls on the ownership group to come in and say, okay, yes, it's going to take some time, but they need to invest in training the top level referees to do NWSL games. Because right now they're not getting those. And I think it shows. And you can see clearly the frustration in Megan Rapino and a lot of players um, with the level of refereeing because it means that more players are getting injured than they think should be. Yeah, to be fair, it wasn't just Megan Rapino that was Frustrated. We saw the reigning NWSL MVP, Jess Fishlock. You saw her upset there in the video. She also mm -hmm. took to social media, to Twitter, to let no her feelings be known. So uh, clearly players right now are rallying around this issue. Let's see if it leads to some change. Real quick, Julie, before we get out of here, let's run it back with something that is now becoming almost a staple of this show. Highlights of the San Diego Wave and very specifically Alex Morgan, who had yet another brace, <laughs> this time in San Diego's 3-0 win over Gotham. She just can't stop. I know. She has looked so good. 11 goals on the season. That's more than she scored in any of her NWSL career seasons. 
And the thing about Alex Morgan is she's just looks so active and sharp and fresh. She's coming across from that left side. She gets a, an assist when she was on the right side. So she's playing in those wing positions on both sides and just so good at slashing and making that run into the center channel. And as we've seen, playing with tremendous confidence. And it couldn't come as a better time, as we know, given some of the injuries, especially with Kat Macario on the national team and Alex Morgan trying to prove that at almost 33, I think she turns 33 in a few days, um, that she is not done by any means. We've talked about her chase for an NWSL MVP. I mean, at this rate, no way she doesn't get it this year, right? I, I, I think she's, she's on, on target for that, for sure. And especially, you know, with the wave, with the production they've had up front, I don't see in the feed that she feeds that she's getting, I don't see them slowing down in terms of their efficiency up front. And that's a good sign for Alex Morgan because she's got so much around her that takes the pressure off her as well. When you see, you know, a Jakobsen running on one side or you got Jody Taylor in the middle or uh, Kelsey Turnbo as well playing in the nine. I mean, she's got so much talent around her that is giving her the ball as well and taking away some of that, that intense glare. All right, Julia, as always, thank you so much for the time here on Football Americas. We look forward to having you back on the show and continued success with Laughter Permitted. Love the listen. Thanks, Sebi. For more, by the way, on the NWSL and the refs, head over to the website. we got a great article over there from Jeff Kasuf, a real thorough explainer of the whole situation on ESPN.com. Time for our top 10. Golazos. We'll start in Major League Soccer. New York Red Bulls, Toronto FC, Luquinhas. Busting out the Ronaldo celebration. Delicate little touch, getting over the goalie and the defensive help. New York Red Bulls beating Toronto by a final score of 2-0. Luquinhas in at number 10. All right, let's see what beats that. Number nine to the National Women's Soccer League. Sophia Smith. No, what a beauty, an absolute rocket from the young national teamer. Another look at it on her left foot. Portland scoring six on Orlando. This, the best of the lot from Sophia Smith. Number eight, Major League Soccer. Jefferson Savarino. Real Salt Lake against San Jose. Amazing touch in the box. Past the defender, past the goalie, and into the back of the net, RSL. Two nothing winners over San Jose. Jefferson Savarino in at number eight. More MLS at number seven. Sanzusi. Friend of all L3 fans with the absolute left-footed banger for Sporting Kansas City. They've been struggling, but they go away to Nashville and get a 2-1 win in the veteran Graham Zussi, the hero. Beautiful shot. Left-footed rocket from San Zussi. Number six, CONCACAF U20 tournament. Alexander Romero of the El Salvador U20s against Guatemala. Wow. Oof, the goalie, take a knee. Herc would have been appreciative of that. How about the US U20s, you see that? They're 10-0 over St. Kitts and Nevis. That's what I'm talking about. Number five, back to the NWSL, Denise O'Sullivan. North Carolina Courage against the Houston Dash. 
from distance, off the volley. Perfect technique. Denise O'Sullivan, this was an amazing game, by the way. Seven goals between the two teams. In the end, Houston completes the comeback. They win 4-3. Back to USL. Michi Engalina, we have seen him before. Colorado Springs. Oh, it's not just the goal, no, no, no. With this guy, it's a celebration as well. Golasso, backflips. You combine those, you got a shot at the top five. A 4-3 win for Colorado Springs over Indy. Staying with USL, number three, Alejandro Guido. San Diego Loyal against Las Vegas. Yes, I have that jersey, San Diego Loyal. I have that jersey from Charlie. It is a thing of beauty. I can't wear it because the green screen doesn't, uh, doesn't cooperate. But as soon as I'm in a real studio without a green screen, believe me, I'm wearing that beautiful San Diego Loyal kit. Number two, USL League two, Ryan Crooks. West Virginia United against Tobacco Road. That's right, we'll dip in the USL League Two. I mean, this is beautiful stuff all over. The assist is nice, but the finish, a delicacy. It's gonna be tough to beat that, number one. MLS, New York City FC, Tales Magno. Off the chest, off the volley, and into the net. A true beauty. New York City FC against the Colorado Rapids. Dallas coming through at number one. Before we get out of here, update, huh? Open Cup quarterfinals this week available to you on ESPN Plus. Well, this week with an asterisk. Uh, Tuesday, we got LA Galaxy against Sacramento Republic. Wednesday, oh, what a double header. You kidding me? Hudson River Derby plus the matchup, folks. Sporting Kansas City against USL League One third tier Union Omaha. The Cinderella story. And then we got to wait until June 29th, excuse me, for Orlando City Nashville. Those are your quarterfinal matchups for the U.S. Open Cup. That's going to do it for this edition of Football Americas. But speaking of the Open Cup on Thursday, very, very special segment. I'm going to be in Connecticut in studio with Alejandro Moreno for the U.S. Open Cup semifinal draw. We're going to find out who's hosting the semifinals. Cannot wait. That's Thursday on Football Americas. Thanks to all of our guests, Craig Burley, Julie Foudy, Mauricio Pedrosa, Alejandro Moreno, and of course, great job from Sam Borden in his one-on-one -on -one interview with Walker Zimmerman. We'll see you on Thursday for the next edition of Football Americas right here on ESPN+. Thanks for watching.